Pixel, you know I don't like surprises. Ta-da! Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, it is device launch season. We did promise you. We have <laughs> something we love and something we hate. Uh, so there's gonna be this is gonna be a show of contrasts. Uh, we have a bit of news, a cool Chromebook initiative that I want Ari to talk about. But first, I'm gonna do a better job introducing the people on the show, as I promised last week. Will Saddleberg, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm watching the rainfall out my window, and then I just got a, an alert that rainfall is gonna start soon on my phone. So it's re- really timely, and I'm appreciating weather apps right now. I'm so jealous. Yeah. You gotta love technology. <laughs> R. Wagner, how's the weather down south? Uh, I thought we were going to get rain, and then it just all dissipated as it got to us, so I'm a little annoyed. I need I need my thunderstorms to come back. You do love your thunder. I do. Uh, speaking of thunder, <laughs> we are so pleased to welcome Joe Maring, the mobile section editor of Digital Trends, to the Android Police podcast. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm trying to wrap my head around the thunder correlation, but I'm I'm doing well. <laughs> you are you you are thunder personified. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. I'll take uh, it. <laughs> so, Joe, you were a senior editor at Android Central when R and I worked there. You are somebody I like and admire very much. You left Android Central in 2019, I want to say, to go to Screen Rant to launch their tech section. Yep. And then left there in, what was it, 2021 to go to Digital Trends? Am I getting that timeline right? Ooh, ooh I think so. It is also a blur to me. That sounds about about it right. It's, it's been a busy few years, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. And now you're running the mobile section there, which is a busy job, I assume. Yes. How it's, many uh, AC alums are at Digital Trends right now? Because I know you have Phil and you have uh, Andrew. It's me, Phil, Andrew. We had Michael Allison for a little bit, but he's back at Tech Radar now. I think the, I think that's that's about it for now. We get around. The AC alumni... Like we get around. Oh, we have I'm Christine saying. from uh, Imore. Duh. Yes, you do. Oh Not yeah, Android Central, course. but still the old Mona fam. Yeah. But yes, but uh, we need another MonaCon <laughs> desperately. So, Joe, we brought you on because you have, like Will, reviewed a bunch of stuff this week, and the two products that we're going to contrast on this week's show are the Moto Razor Plus and the Pixel Tablet. So. While, Will, you didn't review the Pixel Tablet, we have our Pixel Tablet review live on the site right now. You can go read that. I have one, I believe. Ara, do you have one as well? The tablet? Yeah. No, which is a shame because no. that was the one out of the three I wanted to try the most. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get... I mean, maybe you won't want to get it after <laughs> you're just... I'm, I'm, uh, I'm already busy enough for the next month and a half that it's like, if y'all send me one of them, cool. The only thing I would be doing with it is reading webcomics. So I'm good. <laughs> I did a bit of that last night. It's it's pretty good at that. But Joe, let's start with you because you eviscerated this thing. You gave it a four out of 10 or two out of five, whatever your, your rating mm-hmm. system is. You said it was just not working for you. And I, I want to know, what is it? I mean, this thing had a year and a half after its announcement basically to come out, but, but not a year and a half, about 14 months before it was widely released. It was announced at Google I.O. 2022. We saw it in May. It's now available a month later in June. $500. It's an Android tablet that comes with a speaker dock in the box. It feels like it's a good idea. So why did you hate it 
so much. Yeah, that's my thing with it, where the idea and the concept for Android tablet that turns into smart display, I think that's fantastic. I, I think that's a, a good form factor that makes this stand out from any Galaxy tab or, or Fire tablet or whatever it may be, but it, it, it's not one single like major deal breaker for the thing. Like The way I put it in my review, it's that it's just a death by a thousand cuts for all these random inconsistencies through my time using it that's made it just an extremely <laughs> frustrating experience. It, it's hardware and software stuff. I think one of my bigger gripes with it is the charging dock itself. I think it sounds fine. I mean, I, I know some people have complained and said the charging dock doesn't sound great to their ears, but I think it it sounds fine to me. Like audio quality is whatever for casual music listening and just watching YouTube TV or Disney Plus or whatever while I'm making dinner. One of my issues with it is that the magnets for me have been horribly unreliable. If I go to adjust the volume or use the power button to wake the screen or whatever, the way they're positioned on the far right corner of the tablet when it's in the dock, it's probably fallen onto my kitchen counter like a dozen times in the past couple weeks just because the way you're pressing down on it on a far corner where you're away from the center of the magnets just completely knocks it off the dock with like no hard pressure or anything, which not ideal for uh, your smart display to just have the screen portion get knocked off of the speaker base. Very, very Was that with or without the case installed? That was without the case. Oh, damn. So if if you throw the case on there and add more weight to it, like, presumably that's only going to be worse. But The case is so heavy. It's really worth reiterating. Like, that metal ring on the back adds... You hold the case, like, in your hands, not on the tablet. You're like, yeah, I guess this is fine. And then you put it on and you're like, oh, it feels like it's doubled the weight. It hasn't, but it feels like it's double mm -hmm. the weight. So I think the issue is that the dock is too light. Yeah. Yeah. If the dock weighed twice what it weighs or it it had it, it was physically larger and the weight was better distributed, this wouldn't be a problem. But it feels like Google sort of cheaped out on the size of the dock. Yes. And in doing so, undermined the very purpose of the relationship between the tablet and the dock because as Taylor says in his review, the magnets are both too strong and too weak, depending on the circumstance, right? They're mm-hmm. too strong for you to one hand remove the tablet from the dock without kind of like jiggling it a little bit. But on the other hand, as Joe's saying, it's too weak for the tablet to just easily sit there without either getting knocked off on its own or too easily having an accident. and. I don't know, it's the worst of both worlds, from what I can tell. Yeah, and it's not just the magnets that have like completely t- turned me off from this thing. It's also the fact that you know, Google sells this speaker dock for 129 or 130 on its own. Like It obviously comes with the tablet itself, but that basically makes it a $130 accessory you get with it. And the fact that there is zero functionality for it when the tablet is not attached to it, that there's no assistant commands it doesn't act as a chromecast target i would have even taken like using it as a bluetooth speaker if that was an option but the fact that you just give us a 3.5 millimeter connector on it yeah something anything anything Anything. but that notion that when the tablet's not on it it's not a smart speaker of any kind so that whole magical idea of you have an android tablet and you have this this smart display or smart speaker in your home 
if you're using the tablet, like you don't have a smart speaker. It's just this hunk of plastic and, and fabric that's sitting on your kitchen counter or your, your end table or whatever. And I, I feel like if Google's selling this thing for 130, you could very easily just do a Chromecast target, just do Bluetooth or a 3.5 millimeter line jack. I mean, it just to have zero functionality with no tablet on there. It just feels like such a wasted opportunity. Like they really could have done something more there. Well, this doesn't even have volume buttons on it, right? It's literally just no. you put the tablet on and you take the tablet on and that's all the control it has. We have like ranted on this thing like previously in terms of like when it was announced, like basically gone over like this is such a miss. But now that like reviews are out, like I just want to reiterate like how obvious this should have been. I, I do not understand. Like Google can say it's a, a first gen product all they want, but like making this like a cast target is like the most obvious thing in the world. And I genuinely do not understand both why they didn't do it and then why they expect anyone to buy additional docs for $130 when they, again, like they're not even like a Google nest mini. Why should anyone spend an additional $130 on this? I also think it's worth mentioning that this is not even an attractive object. Right. When you think about the relationship between the tablet and the dock, right? Google is obviously expecting you to remove the tablet from the dock fairly often, right? The goal here is not for the tablet to sit on the dock indefinitely. This is not a smart speaker. If you just wanted a smart speaker, spend 80 bucks and get a Nest Mini or sorry, a Nest Hub or you know, a couple hundred bucks and get an S Hub Max, which is a much better product because it is more focused. So when the speaker is sitting on its own on a shelf or either prominently or hidden, it is not a good looking object. It really does not have any real form. And the fact that it becomes this useless object that is also not attractive in an area that presumably you want there to be some prominence because you want your tablet to be easily accessible. It just undermines the value of not just having multiple speakers around the house, but having the speaker itself exist at all. Because ostensibly, it's not a speaker most of the time. It's a useless piece of furniture that does nothing. and. To me, that is the biggest indictment of this development cycle. This was announced over a year ago. In, it's probably been in development twice as long as that. Let's say three, four years. Oh, a, little, a little shorter. A little shorter. It was announced at Made by Google in the fall. No, the, little, the little tablet was no, announced No, the tablet last, was leaked at I.O. Was it teased at I.O.? In 2022. Yeah. It was teased this. at I.O., yeah. Jesus. But it was, you're right, it was I, more, I it was announced- it later like later that year and we got a bit more detail but really like it it we knew this was happening google had it in development you're right so, it was i'm dumb <laughs> i just find this to be absolutely vexing and there's absolutely no reason for anybody to spend 130 dollars on additional docs when they don't do anything and the insult to injury and i'll, I'll stop after this and let you continue joe is that the tablet is a cast target. The tablet mm -hmm. is the only tablet available on the in the Android ecosystem that is a cast target. And yet the speaker itself is not, right? Yeah. So it, they're dependent on one another. 
I have a theory on that, and that is because uh, casting and targets is kind of ridiculously difficult at times. I think the issue is that if they had made the speaker the casting target instead of the tablet, it would have been hard for the... The speaker would have had to have some way to overtake the tablet's operating system or whatever to kick it over into this Google Home mode or the Google Nest mode instead of having it in tablet mode. So I think that's why they did it to the tablet and not to the speaker dock. It's a dumb decision for sure, mostly because this is going to be outdone in both terms of quality of the interface and quality of the sound by literally any iPhone with a Bluetooth speaker dock in less than three months, right? Because we're getting the standby mode and that's going to do what the Google tablet does better than the Google tablet and is going to be able to do that with literally any stand you put it on. Yeah, and my issues with the tablet continue where even just ignoring the whole smart display aspect of it, like, I don't think it's a very good Android tablet just on its own either. I mean, a 60 hertz display on what is effectively a $500 Android tablet does not look good. It's fine, and if this was a $230 smart display, I wouldn't be complaining, but 60 hertz on this large of a screen does not look good to my eyes whatsoever. Tensor G2, I've always had problems with that chip, and it is just as troublesome here as it's kind of been on the Pixel 7 and Pixel 7 Pro for me, where it can run good, but I'm draining like 20% battery in an hour playing games like Call of Duty Mobile, which that's not good. I mean, I get people's arguments where this is supposed to be a tablet you keep at home, you always have the charging dock available, so if you do run low on battery, you just throw it on there and then... Theoretically, battery shouldn't be an issue, but... And then you just stand in your kitchen to finish your Call of Duty game. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, if you take this on a road trip or on the airplane to, like, watch movies or something, the battery life is so inconsistent and so unreliable, the display doesn't look great. Another issue is with the four external speakers on it. I think, Will, you and I talked about this a little bit, where when you're holding the tablet, the two bottom positioned speakers are constantly covered by your hands when you're holding it, which isn't a brand new issue for tablets, but it seems so much worse on here where it completely muffles and distorts the audio, which on their own, the speakers sound fine, but they sound like garbage if you're holding the tablet like a normal person, just because you're completely muffling like half of the the audio output from the thing. Yeah, I couldn't figure out why it was such an issue during my hands-on because like my iPad has speakers in the same position and and like covering them with my hands can be a problem but like it it was like noticeably worse on the pixel tablet for whatever reason like i don't know if it was just it's easier to cuff them or if if i i I don't know i don't know are they distributing because what i found is they're not distributing the sound differently like they should know when you're covering up the speaker and bring them to -hmm. the other two speakers that are not being covered right there should be sensors, proximity sensors, accelerometers. There should be some way to tell, but that's clearly not happening. And I did it too. I was watching Black Mirror last night on my on, on the Pixel tablet in preparation. I was like doing a bunch of stuff, trying to see what I liked and what I didn't. And and it's just it's it's so odd that for a tablet that you're anticipating to be used in landscape, those speakers are going to be covered almost every time. Mm-hmm. So Joe, you also mentioned the software was something that you really took issue with. Oh, yes. Give us your TLDR there, because I completely agree with you, but I think a lot of people see this as actually the best Android experience on a tablet so far. 
I, I would like to know what makes them think that. I have had a... <laughs> it, it because it's been... Google, so it's the pure version of Android, as opposed to One UI. Yeah. And, it, like, to be fair, I mean, I think Google's made some smart decisions here, like the way the dock on the bottom works, where you always have access to your the applications in the dock on your home screen and an app drawer, the way you can bring that up when you're in an application works well. The notification shade looks fine. Being able to split screen works well, but... I, I think the, the real issue lies with the fact that the Pixel tablet's basically running software for an Android tablet and it's running software to be a Nest Hub smart display. So you have smart display software and you have Android tablet software and it trying to have that dual identity. It's made it so, so horribly confusing to use. Like one of the things that sticks out to me the most is when I first got the tablet and I was asking it to play YouTube TV or play Disney Plus, which are usually very simple commands on an Echo Show or a Nest Hub, it says opening and then does not do anything and then eventually prompts you to unlock the tablet with the fingerprint sensor or the pin. Because if you just say open this app or play this app, it thinks you're trying to open the Android version of that app and you can't just open Android apps using the assistant without bypassing the lock screen in some sort. But if you say play specific channel on YouTube TV or play this specific movie or show on whatever streaming service, it then understands you as you're talking to it as a smart display and then tries to open up the smart display version of that streaming service versus the Android application. Not explained anywhere when you're using the thing. It was just me talking with Ben Shun at 9to5Google of trying to figure out why it works this way. And it's just... Depending on the the specific command you give to it, it may understand you as a smart display, it may understand you as you're talking to it as an Android tablet, and it's so, so horribly confusing. And that's not mentioning the bugs and stuff I've had. I've had multiple instances where I've said the, hey, whatever command, and like screamed it dozens of times, and it just <laughs> does not register my voice at all. I've tried stopping timers with a thing, and it it hears me. And like I see the the assistant prompt come up and say my voice saying stop the timer and it just ignores me and it, it lets the timer keep going. One of my favorites was I asked it to open or play YouTube TV and it said okay doing it on your Motorola phone and then try to open it up on my Razer Plus. I still don't know the reason <laughs> behind that one but I, I don't know. It's uh, can I can I just Yeah, please jump in. I'm in a group chat with Joe and he, all of these uh, examples are videos he sent us <laughs> and just like watching him like go into madness <laughs> over this pixel tablet was incredibly enjoyable from the point of view of someone who didn't have to review it is all I'm going to say. Yeah. And th those videos are on Twitter, or at least most of them are. If, if you want to yeah. have proof that I'm just not insane, like there's <laughs> video footage on the internet of the, this tablet just fighting me at like every, every corner I take. It's, I mean, like that kind of that's been my pixel experience, though, with the seven and the seven pro too. where some people get a pixel seven or they get a pixel tablet and they don't have these software troubles. And then like for the past year, I've had the pixel curse of like, I just get the worst bugs and just weird glitches. And it's just that inconsistency that I think Google's had for the last year or two now. And it they haven't seemed to find a way to get rid of that and it, it's done a lot to kind of destroy my faith in the lineup a bit because i see other reviewers and friends and colleagues who they have a pixel tablet or they have a pixel 7 and they don't experience these software bugs but they very much exist and like when you get bombarded with them it just makes using these things 
just so infuriating at times. Well, it makes it difficult to review these products too. I mean, so Mm -hmm. like that was my Pixel 7a experience where I'm like bashing my head against a wall being like, why is my performance like noticeably worse than what I saw on both the 7 Pro and, and the regular 7? Why is battery life like maybe three hours of screen on time, like on a on a good day? Like what is going on? And the answer was like, I don't know, something went wrong and you have to factory reset your phone. But like I also am reviewing the phone in, in six days or whatever, and I don't have time to do that until after publication And so people might remember that our review went up like unscored initially because I was like, I don't know what's going on with this phone. And like, admittedly, it was better after I reset it, but it still left a really bad taste in my mouth where it's like, well, this experience could have happened to to anybody and you get your mom a Pixel phone or whatever. She's not going to know to factory reset it or she's not going to want to do that because all their photos are on there or whatever. Right. Like it seems to be like a recurring thing where it's like you get a bunch of like reviewers together and at least one or two of them are like, yeah, I'm having way different experiences than you on this pixel device. Like I, I I'm having like a lot of issues where everyone else is like, yeah, it's okay. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a problem. Yeah. I I think that's why the subhead for my review is the worst pixel I've ever used because it's that existing experience or understanding that there is this inconsistency with recent pixels and all of that very much applies to the pixel tablet. But then you factor that on top of just the fundamental issues with the product itself, whether it's the the charging dock being non-functional or the magnets not doing what they're supposed to do or the speaker placement on the tablet or the battery life or the display not looking great. You you've add all of that together with the usual assortment of bugs that make using a Pixel uh, an experience at times. And then you factor on the $500 price tag and it's before with like a Pixel 7 or 7 Pro, I've had bad experiences with those, but I understand they're good values and like the rest of the phone typically makes up for that. But when you have all of these bugs on top of what's just not a very good product on its own, it it's just the worst of both worlds. And it's disappointing because again, I, I love this form factor and the concept for this device, but I just really don't think any of it came together the way Google wanted it to here. I will say for the inconsistency, like my family has been on Pixel phones I think for five years now. Well, no, four years. Because my parents and my sister were on the Pixel 3a for a while, and then they upgraded to the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro. And Prime Day is coming up, so my twin is possibly looking for a phone for her husband. And she's like, I've had issues with my Pixel 6 where it wouldn't ring when calls came in and it wouldn't let me place calls. And she's not going to, I haven't even suggested factory resetting to her because that is just way too much time and effort for something that should not be happening. But yeah, it's making it harder to recommend Pixels, even though Pixels have some of the best features on a smartphone. Like Pixels have amazing camera experiences. Pixels have like call screening and all of these other wonderful things and the best voice recorder app on mobile. But it's also going to be kind of a little bit of roulette because updates come fast, but that means that some updates don't get QA tested as much as they should. So it's not great. And as much as I love to see like new features, new devices, new initiatives from Google, I just want some inconsistency. For once, please just make it consistent for everyone instead of making it like great for 85% of people and then completely and utterly crap for the other 15. There's one more issue specifically with the Pixel tablet too, which is that it's a big screen Android device. And like historically, those are not good experiences. And that's also true here where it's like, okay, Google put in the work and like 
redesigned all of their first party apps or, or the vast majority of their first party apps to look good on tablets. Great. A decade late, but good job. Um, do you know what doesn't? Twitter or Instagram. And like, I understand that like that's not in Google's hands, but it doesn't. Yes, and, it's and, in and, and to a certain hands. point, some of those like Instagram doesn't have an iPad app either. But like the fact that like <laughs> Joe's review has this screenshot of Twitter open. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the pixel tablet and literally half of the 11 inch display is black it's like what this looks terrible like how did they not work with like major developers and, and i understand that like working with twitter today is probably bad i know but like it's not just twitter it's not just social networks it's going through apps and like seeing what looks good on a big screen one that you're supposed to hold and landscape specifically is like a nightmare on Android still. And that's a problem because this device is mostly meant to be used like in landscape mode. Yeah. And it's been Twitter. It's been Duolingo and, and day one for journaling. Like the Pixel tablets, the first Android tablet I've used where instead of just stretching out an unoptimized app to fill the screen, it houses it in like that little window that uses half of the display area. And like those stretched out apps don't look good, but I would almost prefer that because at least I can still interact with the app using the whole screen instead of having Twitter shoved into the far right corner and like half of the display is just completely useless. And it, it looks terrible too. It, it does not look good and it's not functional. The only way this is going to get fixed is if Google like spends time and a decent amount of money working with like top 100 apps or top 500 apps trying to get them optimized for larger screens. And Google has had that option for a decade, made a huge push with large screen apps for foldables and for Chromebooks and for tablets, not even three years ago, and are doing it again and still seeing nothing because Google will not go to the developers. Google expects the developers to come to them. And unless you're going to kick apps out of the Play Store on tablets, that is not going to happen. Well, thank God that this won't be an issue anytime soon again for Google. It definitely is not a problem that's coming down the pipeline for other devices. <laughs> I think we're also missing like the point that Twitter was designed to be on the far right. So it's a, <laughs> all right, you know, all right, all right, all right. Stop, was, no. in the beginning. <laughs> I think we should just all acknowledge that. I missed the dad um, joke. And for the sake of the argument, let's assume you know the rules just as well as I do. Oh, yes, I miss saying them too to you. You always appreciated them more than anybody else. You and Derek, you, you just, you understand me. I think Will brings up the point that I wanted to finish this segment on. This product was already starting at a deficit. Google could not and has not solved the app problem, right? And you can say the same about the iPad and the iPad ecosystem, but the reality is that more often than not, if you download an app from the, from the app store on, on an iPad, you can take for granted that the developer at least thought about how it's going to work on the iPad, right? And you just can't make that same assumption on Android. You can't take for granted that a developer has even thought about a custom tablet view in the last half decade. You just can't. I mean, I opened the New York Times app yesterday on the Pixel tablet, and even that, which ostensibly has a tablet-optimized interface, looks like hot garbage. That is a problem, which is that, like, even some of the Android apps that are like, yeah, technically we're tablet-optimized, like, it won't run with, like, half of the screen black. Like, you still look at it and you're like, 
Well, you didn't redesign it for tablets. You just made sure that it would stretch properly, which is like not the same thing. Exactly. It's like it's using the bare minimum of yeah. APIs and hooks. And it you maybe ran it through the emulator once. And you're like, yep, I, that's good to go. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Google's going to say that this is optimized because you ran through the qualifications for it so it can show up in the Play Store. But it's not winning any awards for tablet optimization. Uh, and I just think there's really no incentive there. And we've spoken about this literally for a decade and nothing has changed except for, as you mentioned, the Google apps are now all optimized and they all look great. And I mean, shout out to Google for redesigning the weather app. It looks amazing. Yes, it does. It shows what you can do on a big canvas like this. It's not even redesigning. It's just finally making one because previously you just loaded a browser. <laughs> right. I mean, fair, but it does look great. It and, does. you know, I want to give Google props for at least like showing the way and recent Android versions, as we know, have made it easier for developers to take advantage of Android, optimizing it for both foldables and Android tablets. So let's hope that with the rise of the Pixel Fold, and I guess even the rise of widescreen or landscape foldables in general, like the Pixel Fold and the Oppo Find N2, we do see some developers acknowledge that tablet layouts are better or landscape tablet app uh, layouts are better. But we can't really talk about the Pixel Fold yet. That's we'll next week's problem. Until next week. <laughs> uh, but let's move on to another foldable yeah. that both you, Will, and you, Joe, reviewed and really liked, the Razer Plus. This, I'll be honest, blew me away. It came out of nowhere. I know Motorola is already having a really good year, but the praise that has been heaped upon this foldable is really interesting to me because I just didn't see it coming. You will called it your favorite foldable ever. Yes. Yeah. Like straight up. So let's start with you. Sure. It's yeah. I mean, to your point, like when was the last time Android police gave a Motorola phone a most wanted award before this? Like, I don't know. Certainly not while I've been here. I would say I was like, even after the hands-on a few weeks ago, I was still a little skeptical. I was like, okay, like this is intriguing. I really need to see how this works in person. Cause like some of my first like impressions were like, well, this outer screen still feels a little cramped. Like I think the first thing I did with it was like check Gmail on the, on whatever account they had logged in. And I was like, yeah, this doesn't look great. I don't know. Like, we'll see. Once it was like my daily driver, though, it was like after a few days, you're like, OK, like I see how this outer screen, this like 3.6 inch display, you know, not counting the like camera cutouts, like builds into my life. Like, it's actually really nice to just like fire off a text real quick on it. Like, you don't have to like flip it open or like it, it feels really nice in your pocket because it's like just a little square. It's it's, it's a little thick, but I don't have a case on the razor, but it's not any thicker than like any smartphone with a case on it. So it doesn't feel super bulky. And yeah, I don't know. There's something like fun about it, like how they've used this outer screen to both like optimize it with kind of its own custom launcher with these panels that are essentially just like a few pre-made widgets. And then but also been like, hey, if you're willing to accept a prompt that says this app might not work right when you launch it, you can launch that app pretty much i think everything but like literally the settings app on the razor i've been able to launch the battery life is like fine like i know that that sounds negative but like what clamshell has good battery life like almost none of them and and this one is like 
I, there was not a day where I didn't like, I maybe got down to, you know, between 10 and 1%, but I got through the day without charging. Part of that is that you can do so much on the outer screen that it really helps conserve battery life. I think one morning I used the outer screen for like 45 uninterrupted minutes and it dropped 4%. You know, that's not bad at all. The camera is not great, but it's fun is what I would say about it. You know, it's got this like photo booth mode that I think would be like an actual highlight of like parties or whatever. And like, I, I maybe you won't love the photos that it outputs, but like people will find it fun enough that they won't really care, especially if they're just posting it to Instagram or whatever. Like sometimes we get as an industry reporting on this stuff, we get a little caught up in like perfection on photos. And like these are not incredible. Some of them are even bad. But I think most people buying this phone won't care. So it's not a perfect phone. There's plenty of room for them to improve, specifically on those two fronts next year. But like, generally speaking, man, like I, I have not enjoyed using a phone this much in, in, in years, like maybe predating me joining like Android, please. Like it's, it's really fun. Does it stay in your pocket as your daily driver? Do you see this being something long term that you would prefer over using a non-foldable or a landscape foldable? Yeah, I think so. I really think that there's like something special about like, it's also like- It's a foldable that lets you do what you want instead of just trying to pigeonhole it into specific situations. Yes, but also like kind of encourages me to not waste time on my phone. It's not that like, like you can scroll through Twitter fine on the, the outer screen and it's like, unless you're like watching a video, it's like mostly a fine experience. But it kind of prompts you to be like, no, I'll just I'll I'll put this away actually. And like that sounds like a negative, but it's not. Like I mean that in the best way of like, yeah, this outer screen encourages me to do what I would need to do. It's totally fine to do what I need to do. And then I can just like put it back in my pocket to answer your question. Like I would love to go back to it. I'm not using it right now as my daily driver because of the job I have, but uh I, I would love to go back to it. I, I would like to once we're kind of in between specific review periods. Yeah. Joe, what about you? I say it sounds like it's been very, very similar, if not identical, to like basically everything Will said. The cover screen's obviously been a big factor for me as well, and it's not that I'm I'm not using the cover screen to go on Twitter or to go onto to Reddit or well for other reasons for Reddit, but <laughs> I, I'm not using the cover screen for like everything I would use the main display for, but it's perfect for just managing podcast playback if I'm listening to something oh, yeah. while I'm just doing chores around the house. Um if I go to Starbucks or Planet Fitness, like those QR codes display perfectly on there and I can just scan those and, and go about my day. Google Wallet works great with it shut. And it, it's just the fact that Motorola lets you do anything and it's kind of shocking how well so many of those apps look on there. Like the Google Home app is fantastic. Pocket Casts looks fantastic. The Starbucks app looks just fine on it. Like the fact that they give you that freedom and ability to run anything you want and they acknowledge that like, hey, it may look like crap, but some of them don't and that you you have that control to to do whatever you want with it. And and like you said, Will, I use it for if I want to play a podcast or if I want to just, I don't know, quickly respond to a Telegram message, but I, I can get that done without feeling the the compulsion to then open Twitter or to then open Marvel Snap or, or exactly. to then do whatever exactly. else and just get sucked into it. Pocket Cast on it is great. Yeah, I, I should have called that out because yeah, it's it it scales surprisingly well. Like even the little mm-hmm. like now playing thing, it like looks good. It, they obviously didn't do anything to it. It just happens to scale well. Yeah, and, and for me too, like some of it's just like I, I love the Galaxy Z Flip Four, but I think there's a bit more 
charm to this phone. Like I've I've always preferred Motorola's software over almost anything. So the fact that I can like chop the phone to open the flashlight or twist it to open the camera, like I will live and die by those gestures. And I've I've got those on here, which I love. And also having like I've got the Viva Magenta finish, so I've got the bright red vegan leather. And as someone who carried a, a leather-clad Moto X for as long as I possibly could, like there's something that kind of warms my heart of having a, a leather Motorola phone again. Like it, it's not the same quality, I don't think, as those old Moto X phones, but just having that Motorola software, having that charming inspired design, I guess, on top of everything you can do with the cover screen. Like I really like the Flip 4, but this is basically everything I wanted that phone to be. And it's going to take a lot for when the Flip 5 comes out this year for that to kind of take me away from this because this is kind of checked all the boxes I've been wanting for a flip phone, and it's it's going to take a lot from Samsung or, or Oppo or anybody else to kind of pry me away from it. So that's kind of what I wanted to ask, because we've seen recently from leaks of the Z Flip 5 that Samsung is going to offer a screen of a similar size to the Razer Plus. And assuming the company does the same thing as Motorola and offers a small slightly curated but largely open version of your regular android screen on the front cover what makes motorola's product better or more desirable in 2023 knowing that samsung's likely going to have slightly better hardware almost certainly better cameras and one ui for its flaws has been optimized for foldables I would say, in a better way and, and for slightly longer. So, I mean, this is directed at either or both of you. Like, what makes Motorola's choices more desirable? I mean, we don't know everything about the Z Flip 5, but we can infer that it's going to be a slightly better Z Flip 4 with a bigger cover screen. So, like, a couple of things. Like, on the hardware side, I think Motorola's done a really good job here. I think this feels as premium as, like, a Samsung foldable to me. Like, maybe maybe the z flip 5 will be like a huge leap like forward like that's possible but this thing unfolds flat folds closed there's no gap right now like they they have beat samsung to market on that as well as the outer screen which i think is why they launched this so quickly after the edge plus because they were like well samsung is coming at the you know like those phones will be in in stores at the beginning of august like we have a window to convince people to buy ours first we should probably do it now and that's probably why we're not seeing the regular, the cheaper razor that is coming eventually. They they have not said uh, on the software side, like, yeah, like people certainly prefer one UI. The fact that like Samsung has proven itself to like issue software updates both for a long time and on a on a timely schedule, I think like is a feather in their cap, I guess. Like Motorola has work to prove there. They're saying bi-monthly security updates for Four years and three OS upgrades, although like I would bet that like those OS upgrades take longer than Samsung's do. I frankly, I don't think the timeliness of OS upgrades in 2023 matters as much as long as it's getting security patches, because like, I mean, are we really like hyped for Android 14? Are we like, no, we've reached exactly. platform stability. The same with so Android the security 13. updates are just so much more important. And like most of the stuff you want, most of the changes come through like either play services or just app updates in general. So like, I'm not particularly like, obviously I would prefer timely updates, but like, I'm not particularly concerned about it as long as they can nail the security updates. And like, if they're saying bi-monthly and they stick to that, I'm happy. I'd prefer monthly again, but like, 
It's not terrible. It's not what it used to be or even still is on their G series phones. On the camera side, like, yeah, I think Samsung will probably perform a bit better. Although, like, so I don't I don't have a flip four. I think Steven reviewed it for us last year. I, I assume he still has it or maybe he had to give it back. I'm not sure. Michael Fisher's video did a good job comparing the two cameras. And like there were some cases where like Motorola's images were better. Largely speaking, I think Samsung probably won that battle. But like it's not 100 percent of the time like the Z Flip 4 is producing better images. The problem is like with flip phones, like you're always going to have to give up camera quality. Like, like the size constrictions here are just like a problem. I, I don't know if it will ever get like up to par with like pixels or S23 ultras. Like there's just not enough space. So like it might not matter. But overall, like people are going to pick Samsung because people pick Samsung. I think they just have the momentum. Like once the Z Flip 5 is in stores, this depends on pricing, though, too. Like Motorola is running this like insane deal with AT&T where you can get the phone for five dollars a month for 36 months. It's one hundred and eighty dollars. Like that's super cheap. And like that's how there's no trade in on that. Like that's how most people buy their phones. And so like if they're next to each other and one is nine hundred dollars cheaper than the other one, like why wouldn't you do that? I mean, AT&T is also basically giving away the Pixel Fold. Yes, they're they're running insane. Yes. But I don't know if they're going to do that for for Samsung phones in a month. Is I guess my point. Like, like we're back to companies giving away phones because they want like five G failed. Yes, and they're like, we need new customers. Time is a flat circle. We're going to give people phones again. Like this did not <laughs> happen during the pandemic, and now yeah. we're back to the carriers just like throwing you a free phone at every opportunity. I think Timo is doing Bogo again where it's giving you a free phone if you buy one. Like, it's it's just doing the things that it used to do to attract And then customers. Verizon's there, and they're... And they're just... They're, they're just, just them. <laughs> they're just Verizoning, making you pay extra for <laughs> they, all of the things that they gave away for free. To them, 5G is not dead yet. Like, to them, they're like, well, we have 5G, though. <laughs> like we, They really want you to go to a football game to experience millimeter wave in person, guys. Just like they did in 2018. <laughs> It's it's not exactly nothing's changed. All right, but if anyone from Verizon is listening, I will take Bill's tickets. You can win me mm. over. You can win me over. But the five G in that stadium is is out of this world. It's it's amazing. I will say for like speculation on Samsung and what deals will be for that. I have a feeling it's going to be you can get like eight hundred or a thousand off with trade in. So it's not going to be quite as good as Motorola, but also for Samsung, I'm also willing to bet it's going to be similar to the promotion that they have going on right now, which is trade in any Galaxy ZS or Note of any year in any condition and you get $800 off a Galaxy S23. So I have a feeling they're going to run something very similar to that either at launch or shortly thereafter. Yeah, It'll for sure. certainly be back for Black Friday. For sure. I, I, I think... Trade-in is a hurdle, I think, for more people than we probably want to admit. Some people are fine with it and some people aren't. And I think Motorola getting a promotion through AT&T that is like no trade-in required, no new line. You can just get this deal is like a really good well, win for them. Trade-in values just across the board plummeted exactly. so hard Which is why I think in the a, last I think year. People have are, are getting turned off from it. I think it's one thing if it's like, yeah, give us your old phone and this one's free versus give us your old $1,200 phone and we'll give you $200 off. It's like, well, no, like I'll just, that's not worth it. Like I, I, I do think people know that. So. One last thing I wanted to add there going back to the cameras sure. is I understand that it's always going to be a space concern. My question is, do you drop the wide angle and instead focus on getting a better main sensor so you only have one cutout on that big screen on the front panel? Or do you still do a wide angle, but try and get a 
better or wider angle because the wide angle on the flip four is kind of trash. The wide angle here is trash too. It's only like 108 degrees. I yeah, think. It's like nothing. it is a drop dead useless sensor, but it's just taking up space on the phone. I mean, my preference is ditch the ultra wide and, and just do one good sensor. But this is my preference on any phone that is yeah. struggling where I'm like, why are you doing multiple lenses? You're not even getting your primary lens right. But like companies are going to do that because like they want you to see i mean it's why like every budget phone has like a depth sensor and a macro sensor and it's like that's just to look like more things on the back of the phone it's not you're not gonna do anything with those (laughs) like it's garbage but it's a selling point it makes the phone look more premium next to an iphone or or a pixel 7 pro that actually has like usable multiple lenses so so it's a thousand dollars you can get it for five bucks a month if you Go to mm-hmm. You can get it for 180 at at t But otherwise, like this is going to be the same yeah. price as the Z Flip 5. I'm very interested in your thoughts on this product once the Flip 5 launches in a month. I am too. I'm like, I, I, I kind of assumed it was a foregone conclusion as the phone's editor at AP that I'd probably grab the Z Fold 5 to review. And now I'm like, I'm like very like, I don't know what to do. I kind of want to review the flip because I like the the razor so much that I want to know if like, does the flip win me over? And I'm like, never mind. Or like, you know, do, am I like, no, Motorola won this one. Like, I, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see what happens in a month. Yeah. I'm also interested in seeing what Samsung does with the Fold 5, because from what we've seen so far, there don't appear to be many changes over the Fold 4, which like itself was not a huge upgrade over the Fold 3. So TBD, but uh, I don't have a ton of optimism this year about the Fold 5. All right, let's move on. I want to just talk about this. I, I would say it's effective and, and quite cute, this new Pixel phone campaign that pairs an iPhone with a, a Pixel phone. Joe, have you seen these? I saw it dropped in Telegram chat and I watched oh, like yeah. five seconds yes. of it and I was like, okay, th- this They're is whatever cute. and I just stopped. Like it, I've seen clips on Twitter. They seem cute and whatever, but. Yeah, like, that's, I, that's the right, that's the right call, Joe. I like it. I think it's interesting. I, I like them. I think they're cute. I watched all I think five they're of cute. Them. They're, yeah. they're definitely going to be effective, right? Like, I mean, the Pixel doesn't really compete with the iPhone. Let's be honest. No. Like it does, but not really. Yeah. So this is very aspirational on Google's part and, and quite audacious in a way that you don't really see Google's marketing being. So in that way, I think it's funny. The things that it points out are, you know, you're like, huh, okay, I, I can see that if you kind of look sideways, like the fact that the Pixel has better battery life than the it, iPhone. I was going to say, this is the really. thing that drove me crazy is that in two of the five, the iPhone dies while the Pixel is still alive. And I'm like... All right, guys, like <laughs> I've used like, enough have you Tensor used an G2 iPhone phones. in the last three years. Like, yeah, that like, thing's lasting twice what the Pixel's lasting. Absolutely. The main one is like there's one that is about like power share. And I'm like, yes, like you could charge an iPhone off of Pixel 7 Pro. Oh, no, iPhone. Don't you die on me. Huh? I can guarantee you that day at the beach, the iPhone 14 Pro Max is Also, I think the Pixel 7 implodes in that situation, too. Yes. Well, that Pixel will melt at the beach. (laughs) Every single time I see somebody using PowerShare, it fails. But, like, it is a smart campaign. Like, some of those concerns aside, like, I don't know if this is going to mean anything to anyone, but it's nice core get a Mac. Like, what if we took, like, the get a Mac campaign from the 2000s and then crossed it with, like, Paddington 2 
where it's like these phones are friends and they're like they love each other and and but also it's like obviously the pixel 7 pro is better or the pixel fold in the in the last one where it's revealed that like now it's now the pixel is a is a foldable but it's it's so funny that this does take all of its inspiration from that classic iconic absolutely I'm a mac i'm yes. a pc campaign like this does not exist without no. that one but it's so smart like those ads were great i can't believe we don't see more companies like ripping them off and like to be honest i think google should cut these down because they're they're all like a minute to a minute and a half cut these down and like put them on on tv like they're they will i hope they do they, they'll play really well i think mm-hmm. so yeah check it out i mean i i think they're fun they're definitely worth watching yeah and I'd love to hear what what people think. All right, last thing I want to talk about is this Chromebook X initiative. So Ara, this is interesting. 9to5Google broke this a few days ago. It's basically Google's attempt to create branding and momentum around its high-end Chromebooks. Right now, it's called Chromebook X, although I don't think that'll be the final name once it's announced. But it's a minimum set of specs that a Chromebook will need to be certified for this program, ostensibly. And what it's doing is essentially saying, if you buy a Chromebook X certified Chromebook, it will be able to do all of these things, just like the Ultrabook campaign from Intel. What are your thoughts on this? At first, I thought this was just going to be a thing to like mark premium Chromebooks, so you know, like it's above X spec level. But then I read into it more and saw that there were more chips that are going to be down in like the mid range to lower uh, to upper budget space. My only real hope for this is that the minimum requirement for RAM is either eight gigabytes or 16, because currently there are still way too many damn Chromebooks with four gigabytes of RAM. And in 2023, that is not enough. But I'm hopeful that if they, by having this marketing, it can help like set the board of, okay, for your kids, you can get a Chromebook. For you and you wanting to actually work on a Chromebook, you want to get one of these. X marks the spot kind of thing. Right. So it's Google being a bit more curated about the many, many Chromebooks out there that I could recommend. It's saying, of the thousands of SKUs that are out there, here are a few that we will put our marketing dollars behind. I think there's going to be more of them than you'd realize because if this is something that's branding, it's going to expand to like probably a dozen to two dozen in the first year alone. But that's but not that many Chromebooks, right? When you think the about long, it, all of the options that you have out there right now. Yeah. In, in the grand scheme, it isn't. I think this is also just um, Google trying to once again escape the illusion that all Chromebooks are cheap and they're only just netbooks that you can't use offline and they're not real laptops, so that's like, okay, we're going to give a certification right. for these are the best ones. These are the, you won't be able to talk shit about these ones. Some of them are netbooks and some of them are overpriced. See, yeah. I did talk shit about them. I mean, hey, <laughs> I found a even way. if it has the cool branding, it'll. there are some that are still going to be overpriced Chromebooks. Yeah. Like, I love my Dragonfly Elite. I still need to write about my Dragonfly Elite. I was going to say. But the part of the reason that I put off the review for so long and I'm just going to be basically writing an editorial of I freaking love this Chromebook, nobody buy it, is because it never gets on sale below $1,000 and you would need to get this one down I mean, to like I mean, God, 800 I, I, before it becomes the, a feasible purchase I, I feel for like anybody. We've, ta- we've had this conversation before. But we like, have. I don't even use macOS, but Apple's current lineup and like that 15-inch MacBook Air just like really screws things up in the in the premium side because like $1,300 for like a, a thin and light 15-inch it's almost $1,200 in Amazon already. It's like, 
why would you i don't know and then like the, the air is a little cheaper than it was and the m1 air is always like 800 bucks or whatever like it's a problem for like both windows and chromebooks where it's like it's so easy to go hit like once you hit 800 if you're looking at laptops that are 800 or more it's so easy to be like oh like I, I people love the macbook like it's a problem and so i this is smart and like i think the the price range is smart i don't love the the branding i think x doesn't mean anything and like they've done branding like this before where they did like the premium and the plus stuff and like that doesn't really mean anything either but like i don't know if people are going to know what Chromebook X means. Like, I wish it was called something else. I need them to avoid any name that is like plus pro elite, anything that signifies that these are all high end, because this is not just going to be high end Chromebooks. So it needs to be something that certifies quality without presenting the idea that all of these are going to be luxury Chromebooks because they're not. Yeah. Here's what I'll say, Ara, to your point. If they do not steal your X marks the spot branding, they have failed and this this will be a failure but if they can do that i think it'll work that's that's my take i would put money on it not being chromebook x in any meaningful way sure and in, in, in its final version and i would also say that google does not have a great track record of marketing chromebooks no. so whatever it ends up being and because google no longer creates its own chromebook and is not really involved in the creation of partner Chromebooks, but oversees Chrome OS more stringently than it does Android for its partners. And and just like the fact that the Chrome store is still like hot garbage. And I I just think Chromebooks are confused. They're confusing and they're confused. And Google's trying to do something about that with tablets. And I like the fact that they are trying to do something about the hardware on Chromebooks with this Chromebook X initiative. I just wish that it would figure out the software message a little bit more clearly. Because as you said, right, people don't really know what you can do with a Chromebook. Can you use it offline? Absolutely you can. But most people don't really understand what the nuances are there. Joe, what are your thoughts on this? Because yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, you used Chromebooks at AC for a while. I remember we, we threw a bunch of laptops at you and made you re- review them. Are you okay, Joe? Um, like, nah, I, I say, legitimately, I have not thought about Chromebooks since Android Central, so I it, it has been years <laughs> since I put any thought or attention toward what Google is doing there. I'm like, I'm someone that uses an M1 MacBook Air, like that's the laptop I use if I'm out on the go or something. Like that's what I use, and it's like like Will said, if if you're in that market for eight hundred dollars or above, and if Google's trying to kind of compete with that premium market, like I, I don't know what the pitch is. Even the M1 MacBook Air is still really damn good today. Like it, it does literally everything I need it to do. It doesn't look as nice as the M2 MacBook Air. It doesn't have the biggest screen. It looks a little outdated, but it's ridiculously powerful. And like I can photo edit and light video editing if I want to. And I, I get the Chromebook pitch more so for the value budget mindset but if if, but if then you're stuck in that budget mindset like, yeah which is what they want they don't want and so it's like they're it's like well you can't really win like yeah exactly i like I, i'm sure like whatever they whatever they push out with this chromebook x series like there's probably going to be good options there and i'm sure there are good options today for premium high-end chromebooks but as someone who is not heavily vested in following that world, like that message has not gotten out there whatsoever. And I, 
maybe the X marks the spots campaign with a pirate themed advertising uh, <laughs> plan will will change that. But you're on so, it. You, you're you you got it. You identified what they need to do. Pirate themed chrome. Yeah, absolutely. Like I I. If they don't take this, they're they're leaving money on the table. Well, the thing is, since it's not just going to be up to Google to market this, it's also going to be up to the manufacturers. Google can ignore that and just Lenovo or HP or Acer can just run with it because they're the ones who are going to be doing the heavy lifting here anyway with the design and certification of these. And they're going to be the ones, by and large, trying to sell these Chromebooks. And you just gave them free marketing. So, like, they can save some money there. You have to make it as simple as possible to figure out what this thing actually is. It is trying to point you to the Chromebooks that are the best to buy from a stability and performance standpoint, regardless of the price point that is actually going to be at. But yeah, for the love of God, don't call this pro premium whatever. Just stay away from the letter P. They can have a pirate mascot at Best Buy's next to the lineup telling people about all this stuff. I mean, I'm all, I'm willing to put on the pirate makeup and everything. I'll go like full <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. I will dress I want, up as... I want you to dress up as a pirate Chromebook for <laughs> Halloween this year. I think that's the only <laughs> costume that we'll accept from you. Uh, well, I'm not wearing that to the Halloween party. I'm sorry, guys. But yeah, they... it. The thing for Chromebooks is just they have been so confusing for so long. It needs to be just as simple to understand as possible and something that literally they just you need a proper tagline for this. So people will actually remember it whenever we write it in our best buyer's guides or explanations of, yeah, here's what you look for in a Chromebook. You want your expiration date after X and you want to look for this symbol. That's too much for people. They they just want to buy a laptop. Yeah, that's why you just need something that's drop dead easy. And yeah, I don't care about pirates. X marks the spot. I think I've said this on the show before, but my 14-inch MacBook Pro, the M1 Pro, mm-hmm. uh, is the best laptop I've ever used by a mile. Like it's bulletproof. It does everything I need. It has all the ports. It just does not die. Apple killed it, and they raised the bar so high that I think Chromebooks have no choice but to compete in that mid-budget space because you cannot touch Apple Silicon for performance efficiency and battery life at this point. And it seems like increasingly Windows are focused on gaming. Windows laptops are like really just leaning into the gaming aspect of it, unless you're Lenovo. And yeah, this puts Chromebooks in sort of a, an untenable- Chromebooks are for productivity. That's why they're geared towards education and enterprise. Chromebooks make things easy to get work done. Your emails, your- multiple window juggling right. whatever i mean if you want to live in a browser that's it's still the best place to do it i mean straight up that's where like straight up isn't that where most of our work gets done all our product region yeah. the majority I mean, of our writing we we live in a browser but i'm always somewhat disappointed in some aspect of a chromebook right whether it's the one app that i want to use that i can't or it's the lackluster keyboard or trackpad or this that or the other whereas my wife has been using my pixel book the 2017 pixel book for six years now uses it every day and it is still rock solid and it's the best laptop she's ever used and there's no reason for her to replace it anytime soon so yeah you know different strokes so long as lacrose is ready to go by the time hers hits its expiration date so long as you can separate chrome from the system and let that keep getting updates yeah pixel book is still the best chromebook we've ever seen there you go. I would love for Google to make another if they're not going to do it. Versions like the Dragonfly Elite or just whoever can make a nice thin Chromebook with a good keyboard and a good screen. That's mm-hmm. all I need. Yep. 
All right. Well, we'll end it there. Joe, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Are you excited about your weekend? Are you, are you doing anything fun? Uh, probably not. We are uh, moving apartments in like a month or so. So we're kind of like gradually prepping stuff and slightly organizing and getting stuff ready to go because that's all happening around the time we expect some Samsung stuff to come out this year. Mm. So we are trying to prep as much as possible in the, the weeks leading up to that before it's just total chaos. So moving prep is my weekend. You don't plan any major events for July or August. I, I wish I could change when my lease expired for my apartment, but unfortunately that's out of my I, I was going to say that that has like extended to May and June this year too. It has been like, don't do anything in the summer now. And it's like, uh, I, I do would like to live my life a little bit. My life yeah. does not revolve around Samsung and no, Google. There is six to eight weeks between like mid-March and Google I.O. That is the one period of like downtime we get in the year yeah that's not even downtime or at least that's that i was gonna say it's it's not even necessarily downtime it's actually like normal amounts of work time instead of like everything is going on all at I once i did take a week off during that period so i i can't even argue with Ara. Yeah, that was when too. i found space for it <laughs> yeah that's i don't think i've used half of my vacation time yet and i'm already trying to figure out okay where can i actually take days off between now and christmas it does not exist this year <laughs> yeah or any year, apparently, anymore. Well, anyway, I hope it goes well, Joe, and uh, that we'll get you back on the show soon because this was this was awesome, and we miss you terribly. Absolutely, I like doing the Android Central podcast plus Will Crew. If I can, if I can say those <laughs> words on here, if that's allowed. Hey, that's, you oh, can yeah. say them so long as I don't say them in the intro again. We, Aura we, has we lean into this, it pretty hard. Yeah, at least three times is the Android Central podcast. Well, I hosted. I hosted the AC no, podcast after Daniel left. It's it's just ingrained. In I get me. it. Absolutely, I understand. All right, Will, Ara, thank you. Uh, it's it's been a pleasure as always. And should we, I just should wanna, we tease next week? Yeah, I mean we're gonna we're gonna review the Pixel Fold. Yeah, that's a thing. We'll spend the whole episode talking about it. Will is using it. It's true. And we can't say anything else. Uh, nope. But check out our. By the time this airs next week, our review will be live. Joe, I assume you are also reviewing the Pixel Fold. I'm actually not. I've got a Christine is handling that one for us. Oh. Oh, why so would you do that? I, I am. I am not a, a tablet style foldable person. I am. I'm too engrossed with the razor and was too busy with the Pixel tablet. So. She will have thoughts on digital trends for us, for sure. Well, you know, good luck to her. <laughs> and good luck to you, Will, because th this is going to be a long review. I look forward to not I, editing it. I was, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I, I, my weekend plans, uh, writing this review, <laughs> like I, I hopped from one foldable to the next. Like I, I can understand why a lot of people didn't do that. So, yeah. I just want to end the show by sending a, a shout out and, and raising a glass and pouring one out for the all about android podcast yes. which had its yeah. last episode mm -hmm. this week you know we all walk in in the footsteps of triple a it was the og it's been around for over a decade jason ron huyen co-hosted by our friends michelle and jr flow like all these amazing co-hosts and guests have been just like central to the success of triple a and I've been on the show. I think, Will, you've also been I've on been the show. On, yeah. very um, lucky. It's, it, they always make you feel super welcome. Yeah. Jason is an incredible host. And, you know, the Twit Network is is just a giant. And uh, AAA was, was the, you know, the, at, at the head of, of that uh, mountain. So I, I just want to send our best to everybody there. And 
I know they're going to go on and do other things within Twit, so none of them are are, are leaving from what I understand. But uh, yeah, go listen to that final episode because it's going to be a good one. And yeah, that's it. So thank you so much for listening. If you want to send us some feedback, we'd love to hear it. Podcast at AndroidPolice.com. And I hope everybody has a really lovely week. Until next week, we'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 we go. You okay? Um, Pixel? I thought... I thought I just lost you. Why are you lying on top of me?